Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dreams Unlimited Travel Podcast. My name is John Magi, and I will be your host, and I am joined by our panel of experts, Tracy Heinrichs. Hello. Our agent consultant. Hi, everybody. Kevin Close, client services manager and adventures by Disney expert. <laughs> Teresa Eccles, our welcome center manager and Disney cruise line expert. Hello. And our crack technical team. Associate producer. You have Ryan. to call them something else. That's Why? horrible. Crack? It sounds like they're selling crack. <laughs> the crack team. Ryan O'Clavin. Hello. And producer Craig Williams. And we have not knocked over any bottles <laughs> since this episode started taping. That's a, that's a sound effect is what that is. Um, this is part two of our two-part series on Viking Cruise Line, our Viking uh, Cruise Line cruise. We took back in October of 2015, Dreams Unlimited Travel. Dreams Unlimited Travel hosted 30 guests on a Viking River cruise. This was the first time we'd ever done that type of cruise before with a group. We were very excited to... It's the first time any of us had ever done that type of cruise. Right. We were very excited to do it and have everybody come along with us. Some very good friends and uh, people who were friends after the cruise as well. And as I mentioned, this is part two of, uh, of a two-part series. Last week, we talked about the ship and our experiences with the ship and the food and uh, comparing it to what we were used to with other cruise lines. And this week, we're going to focus on the actual itinerary uh, of the cruise. Um, Kevin, why don't you start with, just real briefly, what exactly was the, the overall itinerary for this cruise? The itinerary from this cruise for this cruise was we were leaving Paris, and we were going to visit uh, Normandy. And then it would be a return trip. So it was seven days round trip, uh, start to finish. And uh, one of the things that we were we were very looking forward to for this Viking River cruise is we had seen all the Viking commercials that they show, like you know before Downton Abbey mm -hmm. and things like that. And the ship goes up the the river, and it's uh, you see the castles, and you see the greenery in the river, and it's absolutely beautiful. So we we're really looking forward to that uh, as part of this trip. And unfortunately, we did not have much of that. I, even now, no matter how many times I read this itinerary, I was not prepared for the fact that there was a lot of time that the boat just didn't move. Uh, for instance, you get up, we got on the boat on a Monday, and our boat didn't move until Tuesday night. There was a small thing where the ship did a maneuver, so I think that other people could use the dock. Maneuver. But a maneuver. Um... I thought of you when I said that in Paris, too. There was, during those two days, you had access to uh, shuttle buses that would take you in and out of the city of Paris. So you had two days to tour Paris. There were guided tours, things like that. But I assumed that we were going to get on the ship and it was going to sail for three days, and then we were going to stop, and it was going to sail back, and we were going to see the French countryside. We did get a little bit of that. But on this trip, there was a lot of time where we just stayed. The itinerary for this trip, I'm going to give you them by days. There's seven days. You, the boat docks in Lepec. Lepec is a very posh suburb of Paris. So it's Lepec. That's day one. Day two is Lepec. Day three is Vernon, or Giverny, where Monet lived. Day four is a sailing day, and you end in Rouen, or as they say, they told us over and over on the ship, it's pronounced Roll. And on day five, you are still in Rome, right. and right that's there. the day you take the, your tour to Normandy, but Normandy is two hours away. Day six, we went to Les Andelis. We'll get to that eventually, but I want you to know this was my favorite day. And on day seven, you return to Paris, but you to return very early. However, there's no rush to get off the ship. You get off when you get off. They kind of tell you when to get off if you're taking the shuttle back to the airport. Uh, but there are guided tours that are available on day seven also. So it doesn't mean that your vacation actually ends until you have to go to the airport. So that's our itinerary. And the, the days that you're in port, um, Viking Cruise Line offers excursions. Some of these excursions are get on a bus and go places. And some of the excursions are local. For example, in Lepec, on one of the days, it was a walking tour of the town. Mm -hmm. There was a little town in Lepec, and uh, we chose not to do it. There was also a cable car, which took you up to right. the top of the hill. 
So your days are, you know, there's stuff to do in each port. There's things you can actually do. We've got some pictures of Lepec, um that we took sort of from the boat. Unfortunately, it's not. Um, that's actually a nice shot. That's off the back of the ship from our stateroom, and you can see the river. But Lepec is not a metropolis, so it's not a big city, but it's also not really a famous city. So it wasn't like, oh, this is a destination we wanted to go to. Everyone goes to on this cruise for the two first days of going into Paris itself. Uh, one of the things they offered us when we boarded the ship, you can see in this picture right here, right dead center in the picture is a place called Monopre. The best I could compare this to would be a Super Target in Paris. It is a department store slash grocery store. And the people on the ship, the, the crew members, actually suggested that we visit Monoprix and get snacks and bottles of wine. We were told that they had a wonderful wine selection and that there would be somewhere that, someone there to help us pick out wine. So several of us went over and brought wine and soft drinks and snacks and cookies back onto the ship. But it was... I'm going to guess if it was 100 yards from the gangplank, that was a lot. I got to tell you, that's actually one of the best things I, I love to do in a foreign city. I like to go food shopping. I do. I like to go we to a grocery store. We do that all the time. It's like it's the best fun. thing, right? To yeah. see what they have and what they, to see what they call Oreos. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We did that in Ireland. We went and walked through a grocery store. We do it every place we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. We're not the only weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> so after our second night in Lepec, and I don't mean to fast forward, but we've kind of talked this sort of to death in that you can go into Paris and the big thing is that you've, you've boarded the ship, you have a place to sleep and a place to eat, and the idea is that you're going to take the shuttle into Paris. Right. The shuttle leaves in the morning and comes back late afternoon in time for dinner. It is not a back-and-forth kind of thing. If you want to come back on your own, you don't want to spend the whole day there or you want to depart later, they would arrange a car or a taxi for you, but it was about 60 euros to get in or out of Paris. Yeah, it was a bit of a distance, so taking the taking their free transportation was definitely the way to go. So if you were doing, like I see one of the days here, they have a Paris city tour, and it's a half-day tour. So you could tour the city with them for half a day, and then have the other half the day before the shuttle returns, right. and that way you could kind of see what you wanted to see right. in Paris. Right, you could go and you could do shopping, or you can go to a cafe and hang out in right. the cafe. Always had suggestions of what to do. The staff was very accommodating, trying to help you figure out what your day would be. So you're never really sort of on your own. And There were people in our group who had very specific yeah, things that they wanted to do and see. And the concierge helped them arrange transportation, arrange tickets. It was, it was your time. They offered things for you, but it was your time. So after our second day in Lepec, this was the first time the boat actually moved from one place to another. So that evening, I think it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, the boat was there you know, over past midnight, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, the boat moved. And it was kind of anticlimactic, because we thought, oh, we're going to get to see the countryside, and the boat's going to move, and it's going to be beautiful. Well, it was at night, and we were asleep. So you woke up the next morning, and we were in Vernon. So by like the end of day two, are you wondering, does the boat really move? <sighs> were they like... <laughs> I think what had happened was at the end of day two, we were so anxious for it to move that we couldn't wait. Right. I think we did something. I don't know that I would recommend what we did. We went, we had four nights in Paris. Right. Before the start of the cruise. For us, the start of the cruise was kind of anticlimactic because we had just come from four very busy days in Paris. So the idea, and we were right in the center of Paris. So the idea of now getting on a shuttle bus to go back into the places we had been. That was our doing. Right. There's enough yeah. time to see Paris. It's not like you get into Paris and the boat leaves. We had enough... T- we so had- somebody flying in for a week who maybe added a pre-night, maybe didn't, would really appreciate those two days there were several to, tour, people. to tour Paris. Right. right. Um, Lauren and Jerry Box, who traveled with right. us. Right, I talked to Lauren after. They flew in that morning... But they enjoyed getting on the shuttle bus and seeing Paris for the two days. So they had two days to go and see the things they right. wanted to do. If we had known this, we wouldn't have spent so much time. We wouldn't have added four days beforehand. Right. And I did an amazing amount of research on this and still didn't know this. So um, just to back up real quick, we booked our pre-nights through Viking. 
So our uh, transportation was included from the hotel. Quite a few people were staying in our hotel. We filled the bus. So that was very convenient. Walked out of the hotel, got on a bus, they drove us to the boat. Did you compare pricing? So like when you did that, you booked with a Viking, and it was probably a convenience thing. But I'm just wondering how the per night advent, you know, would compare to booking you it on your own. I would suggest you book nights on your own at a hotel of your choice and take a taxi. Yeah. I think we paid for a convenience that wasn't... Right. Sure. That's typical, as, though. However, that's not, if you are that's looking, not unique to Viking. However, if you're looking for that all-inclusive experience, right. that's what you got. You yeah, know? there was a concierge in the lobby who helped you with plans for your days. There was a Viking representative. Ah, oh, I'm okay. sorry. I meant to say that a Viking concierge. Oh, okay. Well, that changes things because like there's value in that. There yeah. is. There is. Sorry, it's, was he dressed like a Viking? No. He was the most annoying human being I've he ever was. met in my entire life. I won't say And his if name. he's listening, they apologize. No, we don't. No. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at your little daily little... Can I back up one more thing okay. before we go? So part of the pre-nights with the Viking representative there was there were Paris tours. So there was a walking tour of Paris that was offered for folks if you wanted to meet in the lobby. Right. So there was a value add to that. Oh, I see. Breakfast was included right. in your pre-night. Which is unique because not a lot of European hotels euros do. A person. Right. 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 Okay, so there was certainly value in doing it with Viking. I believe there was value in doing it. So it's kind of like your vacation started Right. That I day. would say for John and I, I would not do this again. I had my own plans, right? and I would have gone someplace and gotten a croissant with some Nutella. Right. A $40 buffet breakfast, while it was very nice one day, wasn't necessary each day because... You're also very comfortable in Paris. Right. So, like, I would think, imagine a river cruise that starts in Prague, and now you've added a couple pre-nights... And you've got the option of doing these city tours. I you've got when the you option asked me of a would concierge. I do it again in Paris. Right. Other places I would right. stay with yeah. them. Yeah, right. right. No, I saw it. No, that makes sense. I didn't realize that they had a representative right yeah. there. That's value. Teresa, you were going to ask a question. Yeah, okay. So I'm looking at your little um, day three itinerary. Every day we got a little day. planner, just like any other planner. Cruise. So you had a choice of um, three different breakfasts cafe breakfast, continental breakfast, or a breakfast. Right. So you get day three, we arrive in Vernon. Mm-hmm. And Vernon. and you have that's the next place. That's the next place. Vernon. 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 And this Vernon. is a uh, this is a big deal because this is the day that the short excursion the short excursion the excursion is to Monet's house yes. and Monet's gardens. So did you go? We did. Okay. But the reason why there's three choices is because they wanted to make sure that everybody had an opportunity to eat before they got off the bus okay. and got off the boat and did their own thing. So some stuff was offered, you know, faster up in the Aquavit Terrace we talked about. These three choices were available to you every day. The um, Continental Breakfast was out 24 hours a day. There was coffee, there was tea, and there was always cookies or croissants Mm -hmm. or muffins. That was available. There were two, one on each side of the ship. That was the cafe breakfast. The cafe breakfast. The pastries and the coffee. Yes. That was 6 to 11. 6.30 to 9.30 was the Continental. Continental breakfast was, I apologize, I had it back for it. That was yeah. in the um, Aquavit Terrace. And then breakfast breakfast was in the restaurant. Right. The Which was room. something the restaurant. for everybody. <laughs> so let you have the choice of if you wanted to sit down or if you wanted to grab something yeah. fast and get off the And show. every day had its own cocktail, just like other cruises we've been on. French Connection or the Viking cocktail. Tell and me about was, Bobby. There wasn't a lot of that. Um, there wasn't a lot of that. Pushing on this really no. cruise now. You're not being nickel and dimed here. No, you're paying up front Who's for Bobby? an inclusive Bobby experience. Bobby was your onboard musician. Oh, there was no. a, gen- a wonderful gentleman who played um, dance through the decades with your onboard musician. Some of Bobby. our group loved it. Every night went upstairs and enjoyed the, his music. Some of us are. Some of our group um, joined in, sang. The, the, was, he there? was it the same? No, <laughs> no. we're talking to you, Cynthia Lund. <laughs> I did not hear her, but people raved about her. She actually had a beautiful voice. So uh, we're in Vernon, mm-hmm. and we're getting, Vernon. and we're getting. We had decided to do this excursion. This was the excursion out to Monet's house, and um, as Kevin mentioned on the previous show, because there were so many people, there's multiple buses. They were very, very nice to us. They knew we were one big group, so they made sure we all stayed together on one bus. So that was very nice of them. And um, they also said, when we get there, um, there's going to be a bit of walking. And we're going to have one special group for folks who can't really walk too far. Or walk fast. Or walk fast or do sort of cobblestone steps or something like that. This was a lie. (laughs) 
a bald faced lie. So you got there and there was no special. There was we were we were in a separate group. Many of us were from our group. There were several of us in this group, and while the walk was a little bit shorter, it was the same walk everyone else did, and it was far. It was really far because the buses park far away, and you kind of have to do the thing where you walk under the highway. Giverny is a very small town, but it's a very popular tourist destination. So a mile and a half out of town, there's a parking lot for buses. If I were, if I knew what I know now, I would have gotten a taxi cab from the bus to Giverny. From the boat. From the boat, excuse me. I took the bus, and I made it about halfway. I also have to tell you, I'm a Florida boy. It was about 40 degrees. chilly. Damp and cold, and my knee hurt. And I finally said to the man who was leading the slow folks, the folks who couldn't walk so fast, how much further? And he said, about a mile. And I thought, you told me it was a mile and a half to start, and we've walked a mile. Uh, I said to him, I would like you to go back. I'm going to walk back to the bus. This is much too far for me. I can't walk this far. I'm freezing. My knees are aching like a toothache. So I got almost three quarters of the way back and he came running up to me and I said what's the matter I thought something had happened to John he said I'm not sure the buses are there at this point we almost lost a Royal Caribbean representative <laughs> Kevin almost drowned him in a little creek uh-huh. he almost... wasn't Royal Caribbean though right he was Viking. wasn't he Viking, Viking. I'm sorry not Royal Caribbean <laughs> not... excuse me we almost that lost that could a... be the problem you went on the wrong tour <laughs> we almost lost a Viking rep. come to find out there was a bus there and I sat and I read on my iPad and I did not make it to Giverny the rest of us went on um, one of the th- nice things about the shore excursion is this is an all inclusive one with Viking, so they pay for your ticket to get in, they hand you your ticket and you go in. And this is, you start with a tour of the gardens, and this is where he got his inspiration for his paintings. And you can see from the pictures and from the the scenery, this is absolutely gorgeous. And this is, you can see where his inspirations come from. Now you also have to remember, looking at these, we are there in autumn, we are there in October. So the water lilies are not in bloom. Most of the flowers are There's not in bloom. There's quite a bit of, of flowers, though. It was actually very beautiful. Many people in our group enjoyed this very much. This was a highlight for a lot of people, taking pictures of the flowers and stuff. After a while, I got a little tired. I get it. Flower, water, boat, beautiful. Let's move it along. <laughs> so, And at the end, you had to walk a mile and a half back. Right. And then you right. so do this whole tour of the gardens, which was long. And then they, they stop there and they say, okay, now we're going to go in his house. <laughs> and his house is stairs and tiny rooms and sort of preserve. cool, though. Again, some people thought this was the best thing ever. They could not believe they had a chance to do this. This was incredible. We loved it. It was our best day. You know, to each his own. It was not something right. that was that I thought was that wonderful. I had a good time hanging out with the folks and being with them and laughing and joking, but at some point it kind of got tiring to just sort of see that over and over again. And that was pretty much that whole day. That's a that's a long excursion. You get back to the boat, you have a few minutes of rest, and then it's dinner that night. Um, the next day, this was the day. This was the day we actually had a chance to sail. We left. Am I doing it right? Am I saying it right? I was going to interrupt you, but you are 100% correct. This was the day that I had been waiting for. We left Giverny in the morning, and we sailed all day pretty much. We had breakfast in the dining room. The, The dining room is not very wide, so you can see out the big windows on both sides, and the French countryside is passing us by. And you went through very affluent little suburbs where... There were the houses right along the water, and then we would see castles and rolling French countryside. This was the Viking commercial. So it was, it was, it was excellent. And it wasn't a full day. We, it was not that long. One of the cool things we did was we went through a couple of sets of locks. And if you've never done that before, if you've done it on the um, Panama Canal cruise, you'll understand what I'm talking about, where we would enter the water real, or re- enter the lock really low, and they would flood it with water, and we would go up two stories. You know, there would be brick walls or concrete walls on both sides of you. The next thing you know, you were up above the walls, and you would sail back out. So that was very interesting to watch. I enjoyed the morning here. I the, We were there in autumn again. It was the leaves were starting to change. You can see the yellows in the background. So I thought this was beautiful. And we ended up in, we got to Rouen. 
wrong. Wrong. Now, I had done some research on some of these places, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Julie and Julia, the one Meryl Streep did about mm-hmm. Julia Child. There's a scene in the movie where uh, her husband, Paul, takes her to a restaurant in Rouen, France, called La Corone. And up until this point, she wasn't quite sure what she was going to do with her life. She wasn't sure what her calling was. And she had dinner at La Corone, and she decided at that point that she was going to be a chef and learn French cooking. I decided that as long as I was going to La Corone, I was going to Julia Child's restaurant. So I made reservations. They embrace this whole Julia Child legend. You can order the Julia Child menu and eat exactly what she ate the day she was there. This has been an existing restaurant since 1345 in the same location. Disney has nothing on theming compared to La Caron. You were in a French country restaurant that was elegant and beautiful. It was no way inexpensive. It was kind of pricey. However, I did something I've never done before. I ate oysters. Ew. I decided I was eating what Julia Child ate. Do you like them? I would not rush out and order oysters. However, I wouldn't throw myself on the ground and roll around clutching my chest again if they propped up. It wasn't something I loved, but it wasn't nearly as... I think oysters have an image problem. They need a better press secretary. Um, I like oysters. So, and then we had um, Solomonier, which is part of the scene in the movie that she enjoyed so much, and um, we all had had souffle for dessert, except for John. John had the cheese platter, thinking they were going to bring him out a plate of cheese. <laughs> they brought him picture. out a platter that was probably three feet by two and a half feet. I'm going to guess there were six dozen, maybe five dozen, kinds of cheese on there. And they set it down in front of John and said, what would you like? And John said, how many choices do I want? He said, how many do you want? So John got all of his cheeses. Got and- like six different ones. Mm-hmm. I asked them to recommend some that were... Uh, local to Normandy, Normandy cheeses. It was delicious. And there was uh, Grand Marnier souffle, and there was a Calvados or Calvados souffle, which is an apple brandy. This was, this was a highlight of my trip. This is a highlight of life kind of thing. This was an experience, and I would recommend that if anybody is even near there, that you make a point of going. Cool. The food was spectacular. Rouen is one of these uh, river ports that grew up around the river that you know this is where they people settled and they built industry and churches and things so there's history there this is where Joan of Arc was burned stake. so part of what Viking does is they offer a walking tour of Rouen once you sort of get past the street that the port is on and then you all of a sudden you're transported into a medieval city there's a uh, cathedral that's beautiful and there's um intimate little shops and shopping. I don't want to surprise anybody. When you pull into Rouen, it could be anywhere, anywhere USA. You're in a very industrial-looking town. As you get out of that and you walk into this section of the town, that's what John's describing. The rest of Rouen is very modern-looking. Again, they offered a a walking tour of the city. We did not participate in that. Well, we did start. They had another one of those slow walker groups, and we were going to do that. Well... I am in the really slow walking exactly. group. So you have to graduate to be in the slow I, walking group. I am group. nowhere near the slow walking group. He's train to be the slow walking group. training wheels. And it started to rain, and the cobblestones were a little slippery, so we fell further and further behind until we just decided that we were going to do this on our own. So we walked around Rouen, and it got started to rain harder and harder and harder. So we ended up in another one of the Monoprix, which is this one didn't have a grocery store. Where we bought scarves and we gloves. We actually went and to uh, Gallery Lafayette. Gallery Lafayette. That's what it was. Excuse me. Of uh, the department store. And as it slowed down, it, we were freezing. Just freezing. <laughs> and we started to walk back and we found a chocolate shop. Ooh. And they did something that was incredible. They slivered slices of apples and dipped them in milk chocolate. Fresh apple. <laughs> Sounds good. Lovely. And all of us bought some chocolate and we went back to our <laughs> stateroom. where we had all the sitting area and had hot chocolate and... um, Some people had champagne. Some people had champagne and that we had our uh, chocolate party. But it was lovely. So while we didn't sort of do what Viking was doing with everybody else, we had a fantastic day. So 
when I'm looking at these d daily s schedules they're giving you, I notice that they can talk about daily briefings. So is there kind of like a like a little bit of a information mm -hmm. session about what you're doing the next day? So like right the night before we arrive in Rouen, there's a discussion of Joan of Arc. And it talks about the history of Joan of oh, Arc okay. and the legend of Joan of Arc. You and then know, it puts it into context for you when you're doing the tour and you're seeing. There's also, a, a part of that is not just Joan of Arc. It's partly what how the cathedral was built. Right. right. Why Rouen was a uh, important military function, what military function it served. It was at a bend in the river where they could just def defend both sides. So if you were interested in the history of where you were going, people loved it. Yeah, people thought it was great. It was a little bit of a slideshow-y type of thing. On our previous show, we were talking about planning, uh, you know, pre-planning for a major cruise and whether you book dining in advance, whether you don't, whether you do shows. Was there pre-planning involved in this? Did you have to decide... You know, what excursions you wanted to do ahead of time? Was yeah. there even any option to do it? No. Some days had different excursions. We talked about some, like one day was a bus that went one place and there was another. But this like, isn't something you had to do 75 days in advance or no, anything. No one was told they couldn't do. Right. There was enough space on anything for everybody. For, for everybody. Right. If all 200 people decided they were going here, they had space to do that. If... There were enough buses to hold everybody. So what they would do is, if you decided this way, they send everybody that wanted to do that that way, and everybody that wanted. I got to tell that. you, that's my definition of vacation, right there. Mm -hmm. My everyday life involves a lot of planning and planning vacations for people. So when I can wake up today or maybe tonight, decide what I'm going to do tomorrow, that's my ideal vacation. And when you left the ship, you gave your room key at the front of the <laughs> at the desk. So you didn't take your room key off the ship? Oh. No, there was actually, they had changed it for this, this sailing going forward. They gave you a quote-unquote boarding pass because they wanted to make sure that everybody returned to the ship and they didn't leave anybody behind when it moved. So they gave you a boarding pass, and when you returned, you had to turn that back in. That's what it was, not your room key. I'm right, sorry. To make sure that, and so one night they went around and they said, Stateroom 172, are you here? Because they forgot to turn in their boarding pass just because they don't want to go to the next stop and leave you behind. Leave them, yeah. But um, I think this is sort of the point of the cruise where it's sort of, it, it was what we were wanting and what we were right. trying to experience was the sailing and stopping in this city and having the idea of we could go and walk in on our own, um, going at night, that night, getting a cab and going out to dinner in a restaurant. This is what we had hoped the whole cruise would be. Now, there were people who decided to do none of that and went off in a different direction. And that was fine. That kind of seems like the beauty of the whole thing. It is. That now, you can decide to or not to, and it really... Now, we've talked about the weather not being great. It was kind of rainy, and it was very damp. And people who live up north laughed at me. I live in Florida. 40 degrees to me is cold. It's just cold. Um... So the next day was the day we were going to go to Normandy. Now, uh, the boat stays overnight in Rouen, and then the next day is the shore excursions to Normandy. They had a couple of options. They had ones that were sort of the American shore excursion, and they had one that was more of an international that focused more on the... Allied forces more than just the American This was forces. fascinating to me because I know when you were first talking about this itinerary and we were considering it, one of the reasons we've always wanted to go to Normandy and one of the reasons we thought this may not be the way for us to do it is because we assumed it would be the American version of this tour. And we have... Um, as Canadians, we have a really big history in Normandy, and we have Juno Beach, and we have a, mm -hmm. a great right. um, monument there. So that's I actually have a relative who fought on Juno Beach, and so it was. That's the kind of that's the Normandy I would like to see. And after talking to Lauren and Jerry Box, that's the tour that they chose. They took, yeah, yeah. And so it was fascinating to me that both were available. Now, one of the things about going to Normandy is that it's not a fun day. This is not, woohoo, we're going to Normandy. This is a very somber experience, mm -hmm. a very solemn experience. You're so, going to a cemetery. You're going to the American Cemetery. You're going to see monuments. Um, we went to the beaches, um, and so the actual beaches where they landed. It was very, very moving and very touching. But again, it's like one of those things where you think, I have to do this. I have to go see it. But I it can't wasn't. be in this part of the world and not yeah. pay my respects. Like if you're in Hawaii... In Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Harbor. There was a, um, the word welcome center is the wrong word. Sure. There was a, 
a building that housed information before you ventured further, and it was it sort of built you up into what you were going to see. And one of the very moving things they did was they picked several different specific servicemen and women and you followed their story uh-huh. to see how they got there, where they landed, what their job was, and what their outcome was. Made it personal. And it was, not all of them survived. Uh, some of them still come back every year. It, it was a very, very... I didn't do the international one. We went to the American Cemetery, and it is right out at the beach, And I think the thing I took away from it more than anything, they interviewed a father who is now in his 90s, whose son died on the invasion. And he's buried there. And they asked him, did you ever consider him moving back to the United States? It's going to make me cry. And he said, no, he would never consider moving his son. He is on as American soil as any that could be found even though that American soil is in France. And he is with the people he lived and died with. And I thought to myself, as you did this, you know, I didn't know this man, but it's impossible not to sort of be overwhelmed by the whole thing. After we were done there, now I have to say we did something else. Um, These buses helped up to 40 or 50 people. And... We had some folks who had a back problem. We had some folks like me who have a knee problem. And sitting in a bus seat is very, very difficult for two hours. And then we had some folks who were afraid that there were not going to be enough bathroom breaks. So we hired a private vehicle, like a small bus. We called them a sprinter. And we had a private tour out to Normandy, which meant we could stop and use restrooms. We could... It was big enough that you could stand up and stretch your legs, and a bunch of us did that. So we did not do the tour, but the tour made several stops at museums and exhibits, and I believe there was one where there was a small guided tour and a bit of a speech about it. We decided to see this at our pace and actually spend more time at the American Cemetery. I think that's why we had enough time to visit that sort of pre area. Uh, the people who did the regular tour loved it. Came back, could not say enough good things about it, and they're glad they did it. So at the end of that day, we come back, and we come back to the ship, and we have dinner, and the boat moves again the next day. And we wind up... First of all, the, the sailing on this day was even better than the day before. We seem to get more into the, uh, the countryside and more into these grandiose houses and villages and absolutely gorgeous scenery. And we wind up in a small town called Les Andelies. Les Andelies. And this was, I don't know how to even ex- to describe how incredible this was. The boat literally pulled up to a dock that looked like it could have been like someone's home. It was this sort of dock that jutted out into the water. And they put the little gangplank out. We all walked off the boat and walked into this, this little This looks town. like it could have, he's right. This could have been a private dock behind somebody's home. There was nothing fancy here. But we're in this little tiny town. And as you walked off the ship, if you walked a block and a half, it was far. And there was a little side street and there was all uh, shops open. And there were 200 of us walking around this little town. So every shop you went into was filled but I don't think anybody left Les Andelis without dropping some money. This was as picturesque and as French countryside. It was a postcard. The big the excursion that day was a walking tour up to the castle. And they sort of prepped us because by this time they all knew us on the ship. And they all said, listen, <laughs> there's a lot of walking and it's steep. Like so steep at points you have to sort of pull yourself up with a rope. Oh, okay. that's how steep it is. And we obviously said, no, no, thank you. We're not interested. We took some pictures of the castle from a distance. It was absolutely gorgeous. One of the folks on our group who with our group who was more athletic than most of us sent me a text from the top of the castle. Do they have taxis in Les Andelis? Can you drive up and help us down? Oh, my. Apparently going up was hard enough. 
but coming down, it was so steep. Everybody came down complaining about their lower back and their knees aching. Oh, gosh. Um, from the back of, from where our stateroom was, we could see a bit of the, the shoreline. Actually, a bit of, a lot of the shoreline. There were kids fishing in the river, and there was dogs playing on the side of the river. And it was just sort of this picturesque, I can't believe we're here. And they have Swiss cheese Pringles in France. Emmenthaler Pringles. And there was ducks and swans out behind the ship, and I didn't have anything else to feed them, so they ate an entire can of um, Emmenthaler Pringles. It was great fun. Uh, after we left th- that evening, we left th- uh, that town, and we returned to Lepec. And that was where the cruise ended. The cruise ended in Lepec, same place that we started. Um, for that day, again, as Kevin said, there were excursions available for folks who they didn't have to go home right away. They could take, um, I believe that was the night that there was an evening tour of Paris, a nighttime tour of Paris. When we got back into Paris after Les Andelis, we got right. back early enough that there was an evening tour that was included. Right. The next day there was a tour of the Louvre and a tour of... Oh, Versailles. That was the only shore excursions that were additional money. Right. But they also offered a shuttle in and a shuttle out. And then that day was the day that we, our group, actually a subset of our group, moved on to Disneyland Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, We were very excited about this. We had hired uh, a private transportation to go to Disneyland Paris. Uh, We got off the boat, uh, drove on in, and stayed at the Disneyland Hotel. I just have to talk about... Oh, could you go back to that picture? I apologize. We're very proud of this picture. John took this. Does this not look like a postcard? This was actually uh, one of the days in, in Disneyland Paris. We made the effort to actually do an extra magic morning. Extra magic hours. When you say we... Do you mean you and Kevin? Mm-hmm. And Jeff and Jeff Val. And Val. And but you and Kevin were participating. Yeah, we were. Believe you didn't that. just make the plans and other people no, did it. No, no, no. We didn't huh. ask. We didn't send people in with a camera. This was I, the morning. This was early morning, three hours before the park opened. Now I have to tell you, I got up for extra magic hours and threw a hissy fit until ten o'clock. There is not a place in Disneyland Paris to buy a cup of coffee before the park opens. No, there's not. Well, I think the most amazing part about this is I've never seen a picture of a Disney park where everyone's wearing winter jackets walking yes. around. That that's was incredible. Best, and that's what we, we did Disneyland Paris this year for the first time. And we were there in September, I think. And it's like, this is the first Disney park I've ever been in where the leaves are changing colors. It was incredible. It was yeah. an incredible it experience. Was cool. We loved it. You all had been up north. You could smell autumn in the air. And being from Florida, we don't get that any longer. The leaves were wet, and it smelled like autumn. I did not bring a heavy enough jacket on this trip, so I wore the same hooded sweatshirt with several layers under it. It got to the point where I was apologizing to the people I was with that I was wearing (laughs) that sweatshirt again. However, it was the only thing I brought that was that warm. We actually had some break in the weather. At one point, it got sunny and warm. It was beautiful. The one thing about... um, that day was because we decided to go in early, we got some really great pictures. So there's some great pictures of the park as it opened up. This time of year, I don't know why it resonates with the French, but they love Halloween. And this park is decked out incredibly for Halloween. I forget what the number is, a couple thousand pumpkins or something like that throughout the entire park. Just absolutely incredible. Um, had such a great day, such a great morning to go at our own pace and take pictures and not worry about crowds. For the most part, Kevin and I didn't really ride any rides. We rode a couple we'll talk about, but people could walk on rides and do the rides. um, Now, for early early morning hours, um, Discoveryland, which is their Tomorrowland, and uh, Fantasyland were open. The rest of the park did not open. That's why the pictures he's showing you are of those things. And then uh, after early morning, early magic hours, we headed back to our hotel. We had some breakfast. We had done something. Um, we had purchased a group package. So for the folks who moved on, we did the room and we did the dining was included. So a lot of our trip was focused on eating because 
we got sort of the best food package you can get. So we were trying to make sure we got the most like from people money. who book platinum dining. Right, right, right. And, and all we did was talk about where we were we, going to eat We next. were on a half board and felt like we were right. eating a lot. We I can imagine full board, on yeah. the full board. And again, the full board just meant that we had breakfast and lunch every day, uh, lunch and dinner every day and a snack. And then breakfast was included with our hotel room. So it felt like we had to keep going. It was a lot can of food. You, uh, can you bring up some shots of the exterior of the hotel? The great thing about Disneyland. Is that it? That's it. That's it. The great thing about um, Disneyland Paris is that they have the one true hotel that is the entrance to the park. Actually, the entrance to the park is right in the lower center of this picture, a little bit off to the right. It says Disneyland. That's where everybody entering the park has to go through unless you're staying in the hotel. If you're staying in the hotel, there's a back door where you get your own entrance. Great experience, cool experience. We love this hotel. And Disneyland Paris is set up that um, everything is really within walking distance. You walk to downtown Disney. You walk to the studios. Um, one of the things, again, a great shot of from downtown Disney, that is our hotel. And through the lobby, through the underneath of that hotel, you go into the park. Now, there are other hotels at Disneyland Paris that are not as close as this one. This is their Grand Floridian. I stayed at Sequoia Lodge. And I would still call it within walking distance. And clearly walking isn't part of my regular day. <laughs> but I would still call it walking distance. You know, between the parks and downtown Disney and where the hotel was. Very convenient. We, we thought it was great. Very convenient. We had a chance to go over to the studios one day. Um, it wasn't extra magic hours or early magic hours, but we went in fairly early. And the last time we had gone to Disneyland Paris and to the studios, we were not impressed with the studios there. It would seem like it was, the park was an afterthought that this was, um, you know, let's get a second park up so we can bring more people in. They've had time to improve this park and do some incredible things with it. One of them is the Ratatouille ride. And I don't know if anybody's heard about this, that this is really the big new ride that Disney has put into its park. Best theme park ride ever. Unbelievable ride. Um, you are shrunk down to the size of a mouse and you are go on Remy's experience and you ride in a car that looks like a mouse or a rat. However, the ride vehicles are not on a track. It's a trackless ride run by GPS and maglev technology. And to watch the cars move, it's almost like a ballet. They dodge in and out of each other. They spin and turn. And it's a 3D wow. experience, so you're wearing your 3D glasses. And there are several places where all of the there's a bunch of cars, four or five, six cars, in one giant area. And it's a group experience. But then there are several smaller intimate experiences where your cars disappear into these little cubby holes so that the 3D experience is virtually all around you. Oh, wow. It was great. We loved really it. loved it. I wrote it three times. We did. I enjoyed it. I just think, I don't know if I had heard so much about it, but I thought it was, our, like, it was cute. But now See, that's just it. I knew nothing about it. Yeah, and I don't think that I would have made the commitment to do it a second time. Because well, it was a commitment, because it's a popular attraction. See, now one of the things is we actually hit it in several times where there wasn't that bad of a line. So yeah, and so when I was there in September, it was always oh, like see, we read, 60 to 90 minutes. And the, our dinner reservation was late. It was like at 8 o'clock, and the park had emptied out. Right. So that was one of the – that night we rode it – we went in the single rider line, mm -hmm. but then asked if we could stay on, and there was no one there. So they said, sure, go ahead again. So we rode it twice in a row. Um, one we of, ate at that restaurant. Ate at Remy. Okay, so we're going to talk about Remy for a minute. Big hype about Remy. You got to eat at Remy. It's the best restaurant. It's the best new restaurant. You have to eat here. You have to eat here. We were not impressed with Remy. We actually thought it was kind of bad. We thought the theming was very cute, but that was it. We had lunch there. We actually, we, we enjoyed it. Dining is very different in Disneyland Paris, I find. I find that the dining experience is different. Even the table service, there's, everything would just seem to be escalated. It was almost like you were eating in 
signature restaurants. Like at Disney World, it'd be called signature restaurants. It almost seemed like all of the table service was a signature restaurant. You gotta remember, they're appealing to French and right. European people exactly. who, who that like to sit down and have a meal and enjoy the... Mm-hmm. Unlike Americans who want to go and eat. Go and eat. Go on and the get ride. the most food for the least amount of money right. and move on. Yeah. But we were we were a little disappointed. Remy was themed beautifully. had some really cool stuff. You know, you're the size of Remy and you're in his restaurant. So the... There's stools that are champagne corks, mm-hmm. and the umbrellas in the trees are drink umbrellas. It was very cute. It was very cute. Yeah, it's really well done. Did you find that area back there from the outside reminded you a little bit of Epcot? Uh, the French part of Epcot, yes. yeah. yeah. There, right there. So that's what we sort of... Uh, yeah, exactly. That's sort of the new part that I said, you know, really right. seems like they've upped their game. They spiffed here. up the other parts, too, I think. And uh, Disneyland Paris has an incredible nighttime show. Um, oh, Castle show is just unbelievable. You, I really think, and I've been to, you know, Disneyland, Disneyland Paris now. I just think it's the best Disney show I have seen anywhere. One of the things that's very interesting, it's it's less about pyrotechnics. Right. It's less about big explosions. And Somebody explained fire. to us because of where they are, they're very limited to how many fireworks and things like that they can do. Hmm. So they had to be creative with what they could do in their limited space. And when they take away the wow of fireworks, what they were doing on that castle with those projections and the way that worked, phenomenal. Like nothing I'd ever seen. There was a scene in from Hunchback of Notre mm-hmm. Dame. I know. Where he swung from turret to turret. Right. All I can tell you is you sit there and your mouth drops open and you think, wow, how'd they do right. that? And can I tell you, when we were there, we were there for a few days and we were prepared for, you know, it's, it's a European park. Uh, it's different. The people are a little bit different. They'll walk around and they smoke and they'll smoke in line and they'll be a little bit pushy and, 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 and not out of, so there was a lot of prep before we left. It's not about them being rude. This is just culture. a different culture. Just culture. This is how they are. And so, but I would say by day three or four, your patience with just, just their <laughs> culture was wearing thin. And the last night before we left, it rained all day. It like really rained and we didn't get to do much. And that night we had seen the castle show, but not from up close. So Chris went, said he was going to sit any longer. He went to the park. I stayed behind. And he sent me a picture, a really pouty picture of himself. I'm missing you. I'm in the park by myself. So the great thing was we're at Sequoia Lodge. And it's about, I don't know, 7.30. I said, you get us a spot in front of the castle, and I'll come over and I'll meet you. So he got us a spot. And within 30 minutes, I was in front of the castle with him. And that was going from my room in my pajamas to getting dressed and going in front of this castle. And we watched the show from there. And before it starts... There's this family over here that's bumping into you and trying to edge into your spot. And then there's this family over here talking in a different language and very, you know, very, in a very obtrusive kind of way. And there's all this stuff happening. You're thinking, oh my God, like I'm just ready. You do know that could have happened on Main Street. No, absolutely. No, believe me, there's a point. So this is all happening. And then the show starts. And everybody around me is singing the Disney songs in the same language I am, and you realize, for as different we are, we're so similar. And while different cultures and different things may bring us there, when we were sitting there watching that show, and I know Chris and I both felt it, because we both kind of felt like we had a moment, and afterwards, we just... I think Teresa lost my balance. Oh my God. (laughs) Teresa, did you fall asleep? No. Sorry, my 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 story's boring her. No, it wasn't. I just about fell over. Oh my God. So when it was all over, we just sat (laughs) and we had a moment and we thought about our our week there. Because we we had some frustrating moments with dealing with crowds and cigarette smoke and different things. And we realized it was there was a magic about that park and about sitting there and all these people of different languages and Are different you cultures. Crying? It was, it was, that, it, it was really touching, was yeah. that. And there was a, a group of special needs adults. Are you opening your were, safe over there? <laughs> She's doing her lock combination. 46. <laughs> there was a group of special needs adults in the area as well. And they, afterwards they walked by and one of the young men said to me, Hi, did you like that? We're from, I believe he said Belgium or something. I said, oh my God, that's so cool. I'm from Canada. And he was fascinated to meet somebody from Canada. And it just was the perfect night and the perfect ending to this trip. And you just realize that, you know, as different as we are, we're just really not. We're not. We're all the same. We were lucky enough to visit Paris two weeks before the attacks on Paris. And I think they felt personal because of the fact that we were just there. 
The people of Paris were extremely nice. You've heard horror stories about how the French are ugly. You really do have to take into account that it is a different culture. When you walk into a store, they sort of expect you to acknowledge them, where we expect somebody to say, hi, welcome to Blockbuster. If you embrace the differences in our culture, we found no one that was rude. We talk about, I've said it this way several times, the percentage of rude people was the same right. there than there is here in America. You were there. I was there, so I upped the percentage is what happened. But again, I feel that there's, you know, there's this sort of painted picture of how bad they are. I do want to talk about, real quick, um, the power of our Diz Unplugged podcast. We actually met listeners. We met a wow. listener on the streets of Paris outside of Notre Dame. We met a very nice gentleman. We had walked about a block from Notre Dame, and we were standing with our back to it because it was a better picture. If you're standing right in front of Notre Dame, you don't get a lot of it. So we were a block away and we're taking pictures, and all of a sudden we realized there was a man who was taking pictures of us, taking pictures of Notre Dame. And I don't remember who it was, but we turned around and said, hello, what are you doing in Paris? He goes, I'm a listener. So that was very cool. And we talked That's to him for a while. Yeah. At one point during the day, other people had gone into the park, and I was meeting them, so I was walking a little bit behind. And the woman at the gate, the cast member at the gate, gave me a giant hug and said, I can't believe you're here. And my reaction was, are you doing this to everybody? <laughs> Do you hug everybody that comes welcome. in? It's slow yeah. season. Yeah. <laughs> this was welcome. a very nice cast name, member named Enya. Hi, Enya. I hope you're watching. And then as we were walking through the park one day, we met a person who showed up at one of the meets we held in England and interested, introduced us to his new son. His son's name is Flynn. So it was nice. We ran into listeners in Europe. It was great fun. It was a great way to end our trip, the Viking cruise. It was a nice way to sort of not make it so abrupt. You know, you have to go home. We had a, a great time in Disneyland Paris. However, at the end of this, we had been away for two weeks, mm-hmm. and we were all yeah. a little weary. That was the same thing. with it. it was the end of our two-week trip. We had been to Ireland and England, and we were ready for it to be done. Right. So I was really glad that it ended the way it did for us that last night. We were really ready for it to be done. All right. So that'll do it for our section on uh, our segment on the Viking cruise on the itinerary in Disneyland Paris. Each week on our show, we're going to end with a agent spotlight. We're going to uh, highlight one of the agents of Dreams Unlimited Travel who wasn't able to come to our show and be here live in the studio. And if this is your agent, hopefully you can put a face to a name. And this week's agent is Kristen Turner. And Kristen is from Kansas City, Missouri, and has three small children with Disney-inspired names. She's been at Disney at all times in her life, uh, from a small child, teenager, graduation, honeymoon, while pregnant twice, and with small children. Kristen specializes in Disney vacations, as well as Universal Orlando vacations. She wears those ears all the time. She does. And she looks like a mouseketeer like that all the time. Sweet, sweet. She's a sweetie. So if you're interested in uh, getting a vacation quote from Kristen, you can write to her in the email address listed on our site. Doesn't she drive a car with mouse ears on it or a tail or something? She has it decorated like Mickey or something. She's into it for sure. She does. Well, that'll do it for this show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you guys here on the panel for participating. I really appreciate it. And we hope you have a great week, and we hope you have a great vacation. (laughs) 